Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 124, The Power of Change. It's June 13th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, podcaster, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. power of change. This is a very big topic and I have quite a bit to say about it. This is something that could be very helpful on a number of different in a number of different ways for you in life. So let's just dive right in. If you happen to be new to my content, I definitely hope you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway which I'm doing a rolling giveaway so you don't have to re-enter every time I start and stop a new giveaway. That should make it easier for my people. (laughs) I'm learning as I go. Next up, this is my disclaimer. I am not a medical therapist. I am not a medical health professional in any capacity and nothing that I provide in any of my content, podcast, on my website, my YouTube videos, my books, etc., is designed in any way to be medical or therapy advice. My next piece is if you happen to be listening to this podcast in this moment and you've been feeling as if your life is too difficult, too painful, or you are feeling suicidal or you have been thinking about suicide, I am asking you to please stop and make a phone call and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I promise you that people will help you. I promise you that people care about you, even people who don't know you. Take the help that's available. This is a common problem, although we're not talking about it openly and honestly. So if that's how you feel, please take the help that's available. My next note is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for each of my podcasts on my podcast hosting platform, rss.com. Within an hour to a couple hours, Once a new podcast is live, a corresponding transcript will be generated and available for your use. I am working on speaking at a better pace, my pronunciation of my words to be more clear so that you have a more valuable transcript for your use. In the future, at some some point, My transcripts will also be available on my website. That's coming. I do appreciate your patience. So let's just 
free fall into ch- into change. As I was working on this podcast, I have to tell you, I thought about that uh, classic rock song um, by David Bowie, Ch 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 Changes, because boy, this is this is a very important topic and powerful. So to get on the same page, I want to give you the definition of change as a verb. It's actually a transitive verb. It means to make someone or something different, to alter or modify, to replace something with something else, especially something of the same kind that is newer or better, substitute one thing for another, to make radically different, transform, or to give a different direction or course to. As a noun, change means the act or instance or of making or becoming different. So when we talk about change, it's very interesting because there's often, in my experience, a big dichotomy of emotions that accompany change. Often, not always, but many times. So that's like the difference between feeling terrified, scared, frightened, um, uncomfortable, to feeling elated, extremely happy, overjoyed. Those are two different ends of the emotional spectrum, and many things involve both. So, you know, you can be looking forward to buying your first house or buying a different house, and if if you're alone... (laughs) you might have some terror fears about it. Like, what if I lost my job? So there are things that people look forward to that are also scary or terrifying. And at the same time, change can bring some of the most beautiful and amazing things into your life. For example, love and affection, relationships, children, etc. So when it comes to change, though, Many people have a resistance or they will flee from change, which kind of boils down to it's a little bit like the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. My intention in this podcast is to give you some new insights and ideas which will hopefully free you up so that you can embrace change if it's appropriate or embrace change that happens to you because some changes that happen to you, you, they're not good changes and you didn't ask for them. I do have an entire library of podcasts that support this topic. So the umbrella of change is a very complex one and many things will come to the surface or uh, arise when you're dealing with change. So, so for example, things that come frequently come up when we're dealing with change include fears and being afraid, bravery and courage, failure and failing, making mistakes and getting it wrong, dealing with insecurities, dealing with issues and problems. That's a partial list. I've actually had made a list of over 15 podcasts in my library that support this topic, the umbrella of change. So if you are dealing with change, whether you're creating change in your life or change has happened to you or you're anticipating change, be aware that many things will will bubble up. And I do have plenty of podcasts to support those topics. But because this is a big topic and an important one, I'm not going to rehash dealing with fears, dealing with insecurities, making mistakes, 
that's that those podcasts already exist we're going to just flat out focus on change so to start with my question for you is what is your existing relationship to change this is not something that you may be aware of off the top of your head it is not the type of thing that many people stop and contemplate at the same time this is a very powerful place to start because I assert you already have an existing relationship to change it could be positive, it could be negative, it could be neutral, it could be anywhere in between. Start with the question, what is my relationship to change? What is my history with change? And what I know from working with people, so many people have a negative relationship to change, or at least they think they do. When I work with someone in a a one-on-one -on -one coaching capacity and we do kind of like their life and review which we don't do up front and sometimes we we some, sometimes it's a long time before that comes up but at any point at any rate um, when I work with someone and they start to recognize oh yes I've actually made changes to my life I've actually been very intentional about causing a change or creating a change and it worked out beautifully or it was it was magical so pausing and looking at the change changes that have happened either as a result of your actions or they may have happened to you can help you kind of sort out your relationship to change which may not be what you think it is at the outset in either case what's helpful when you are embarking on bringing change into your life is to have a positive relationship to change. What we don't like, we typically avoid. What we can't stand, we definitely avoid. So if you are driving your life, and I certainly hope you are driving your life, I hope you're creating and driving your life. Well, you don't have to, but otherwise you're just drifting along. It's fun it can be very fun to create your life but having a positive and substantial relationship to change is going to help you if you are in the process of creating your life or you are driving your life and even in business and I do have a little piece later in this podcast for my business executives with respect to change but growth and development involves change and because I understand that more people will kind of avoid change, flee from change, run from change, it is the very reason I suggest that people have reward systems and they reward themselves. It is the reason why I suggest people have a buddy or take a team with them because it will boost their chances of success because the wiring of people is not to like run headlong and change it's just that's not how it typically goes so in the beginning it would be helpful after you listen to this podcast maybe when you're driving to work or you're doing whatever going for a walk to start to kind of observe and notice what is your history with change and what do you think your relationship to change is right now and then that'll give you a place to go.
So the thing about change, so what comes up with change, as I mentioned earlier, is this broad swath of emotions. Like people are all over the board about emotions. And I have already in many, 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 almost all of my podcasts, I have extolled really the value and significance of emotional intelligence and having emotional abilities. I think, I think I've made that crystal clear where I stand on that. Today, I am going to give you a new analogy. I can't believe I never thought of this before. I love analogies. So for me, the having facility with your emotions, having emotional intelligence, having high emotional abilities is like having a steering wheel in your car that's operational. So if you want to turn left, you turn the steering wheel left. And if you want to turn right, you turn the steering wheel right and so on. So when you have high emotional intelligence or high emotional abilities, in my view and experience, it is like having the steering wheel in your car operationally go as you turn the wheel. If you are lacking emotional abilities or are low in your emotional abilities, in my analogy, it is as if the steering wheel will not cooperate. You try to turn left and the steering wheel will not turn left. You can't go where you would like to go. And I could go on and on and on about this. <laughs> in terms of the analogy, but I think you get the gist. You get the gist. And that, and I, I, by the way, I always used to use car analogies in my public speaking because even people who do not own cars understand you have to have gas, you have to have antifreeze, you have to have winter. Like people who don't even own a car understand some of the basics of a car. So if you want to have full control over your life, well, most people do because most people have control issues and you would like to feel better more of the time than learning to grow your emotions as a superpower. Learning facility, having abilities with your emotions is what will give you that. It will give you control and it will help you feel better most of the time. Even You can even feel good when you're dealing with painful emotions. They're painful, but they don't have to take you out of the game. So this is one of the things, however, in society presently that we are not instructing people. We are not teaching people how is it that you manage and process your emotions. I know no one ever taught me. I've never read anything about it, although I have created a diagram and a corresponding Word document with recommendations that is on my website in an effort to help you. I am not representing this is perfect. I am not represent. This is not approved by some entity at this point. This is how I manage and process my emotions with some very strong recommendations. I am very good at managing and processing my emotions. And it's my best way to try to give you a boost and assist. Currently, what's on my website? It's on my website right below the Newsweek logo. It's a downloadable 
diagram and several page Word document. Currently I'm on version 2.0 and later this week hopefully I'll have version 3.0 uploaded. What is happening is we are, we myself and other people, are deconstructing how I manage and process my emotions. And as I deconstruct or catch something, then I will update more of the, more of the recommendations. It's more right now, not so much the diagram, but the recommendations. But when it comes to change, in my opinion, you simply have to deal with your emotions because you don't want to be like, I want to turn left and I can't turn left. And it's because of an emotional blockage. I mean, if you have a fear or a terror about some change that's coming, that could stop you, that could thwart you, that could stall you, that could actually ruin a job opportunity, a love relationship, getting the house you want. It could ruin a lot of things. So it, in particular with change, change brings up so much that it would be very powerful for you to not only have a positive view and relationship with change, but also to begin, if you haven't already, to really harness growing and developing your emotional capabilities. All right. There are many things. I have a list of about 15 that many people have an existing positive view of these changes. So for example, uh, although some of them also involve fear, I'm not saying that it's all one-sided here, but many people view graduating from high school, trade school, college, graduate school, medical school, art school, culinary school, or anything like that to be a positive. Getting married, buying a house, buying a car, having a child, having a baby, adopting a baby or a child, getting a pet, getting a new job, being promoted, getting in, in shape, learning a new hobby, retiring, taking lessons to learn a new sport or some activity, decluttering, although decluttering can trigger some people, so but mostly it's positive for many people, tackling or solving a problem, and for some people, <laughs> for some people, getting a divorce or ending an abusive relationship is very positive. And for hopefully all my people, growth and development is positive. And likewise, there are just that many areas that people would like to make changes. So people often want to improve their physical health or they would like to be more fit or they would like to improve their finances or get a different job or a better job or get different hours, change where they live, have more friends or social connections. And, and many people would just like to feel happy more often or feel contented or feel less stressed out or feel better about themselves. So there are many things that people would like to change and then they get stalled or stuck. So which leads me to objections to change. There are naturally objections to change, even positive changes. What you have to do is sort this out. You have to sort out what is going on with you internally. What can be helpful is a pro-con list, a kind of Ben Franklin approach. You could do best case, worst case scenario. You, you have to really 
sort this out. Now, one thing I've heard in working with people, <laughs> I've actually heard this a lot, which is, well, I can't imagine having a life like that. I can't imagine being happy most of the time, or I can't imagine um, people being nice to me, or I can't imagine having that kind of job, or I can't. So that is a little bit of a, can be a showstopper. My serious suggestion is that you embark on the journey to be able to see it, feel it, hear it, and imagine it. And that falls under visualization and anticipation of which I have a podcast to support you. Can you create a change that you can't imagine? Well, you can do that. It's very possible. But it's probably more likely and you'll probably be more successful if you can imagine it, see it, and feel it, which involves taking the most positive emotions and attaching them to the outcome. Now, I debated... (laughs) I debated including this list and I kind of was on the fence and I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it because this is, this is really the bottom line. The title of this podcast is The Power of Change. So what's more important than you understanding all of the significant and different ways that change can give you power in life? So here's the list. I'm not going to say the numbered items, but there's a lot of them. So... Change could, could save a life, could alter a life, could produce something new, could give you happiness, could give you peace, could give you healing, could provide an entirely new future, could stop bullying or abuse, could end tactics of manipulation, could break a trauma bond, could improve mental health, could improve emotional health, could improve physical health, could provide love and affection, could help you be well-loved, could help you break a family trauma cycle or generational trauma, could motivate you for better things, could mediate depression, anxiety, and other negative emotions, could prevent suicide, could set a role model, could be contagious, could save you money, could help you make money, could give you more energy, could help you sleep better, could help build self-esteem, could help you deal with grief and loss, could interrupt domestic abuse or domestic violence, could help you find purpose in your life, could reduce adverse childhood experiences, could help you live longer, could reduce some pain and suffering, could keep your heart from shrinking, could give you that pinch me, is this my life feeling, could save your soul from being crushed, could help you fulfill a dream you've had, could help you be more functional in life, could provide inspiration, could give you a brand new dream or possibility, could help you deal with addictions. So that's a pretty powerful list of the potential power of change. And I stand by that. That's my own list, by the way. And regardless of what what you think about it, that's what change represents to me. That's the, these are the opportunities that constitute the power of change. Any one of them, by the way, would be amazing. So one of the reasons that people 
avoid change is because we kind of love our comfort zone. And from my research, there's a physiological reason behind the idea of a comfort zone, in, in my opinion. Well, if you haven't figured it out, I do enjoy research. I really do enjoy it. And what I enjoy most about research is using research to my advantage. Because what else is research good for if you don't use it to your advantage? So some, some quite a long time ago, uh, I happened upon some very interesting research about the brain and how the brain operates to conserve energy. Well, the brain is, a, is one of the uh, biggest consumers of energy in the human body because the brain never stops working. The brain doesn't turn off when you go to sleep. So what I had read ages ago was that the way the brain is wired is to do things repetitively because it conserves so much energy. In other words, thinking new things and doing new things and thinking new thoughts and making changes requires more energy in the brain than repetitive activities. So you drive the same way to work or you go to the same grocery store or you go to the same restaurant or you do things repetitively, that saves your brain energy, which of course makes sense. You brush your teeth with the same hand. You don't usually alternate your hands when you're brushing your teeth. Like there are many things in your life that are filled with repetition. And what we know from the science of neuroplasticity of the brain is that doing new things is one way to increase neuroplasticity of the brain. It's one way to cause new neuronal pathways to develop, doing new activities, learning new things. I have a whole list of things that are known from the research to generate uh, neuroplasticity in the brain. That would be in my podcast on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology. But part of the whole idea of the comfort zone, I want you to understand, is that it does save your brain effort. If you decide tomorrow you're going to go to a brand new store, brand new grocery store from the one that you normally go to. You have to figure out where it is. You have to figure out how to get there. That's all new thinking, which requires more energy. So part of the comfort zone is really there's nothing wrong with you about having the comfort zone. This is part of really a very, very smart, intelligent way for the brain to be organized and to conserve energy. So I think, it's, I think it's always helpful when you understand, oh, yes, well, the com part of the comfort zone is because I'm conserving energy. At the same time, I hope you will get on board with the whole science of neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology because that is exciting, people. That's very exciting. And use it to your advantage because you don't want to have an old brain. You don't want to decay and building neuroplasticity into your life can help save you from aging brain. It can help you rewire your brain totally. So the next topic is, can people change? Well, listen, people can change. It's been written about since the, the beginning of time. This is an age-old subject. Do most people change? Well, most people 
kind of sometimes get stuck in the drift of life and they've never experienced personal growth and development or they've never had it role modeled or they've never been exposed to it. Do most people change? Well, no, probably not. Can people change? Yes, people can change. Can you force people to change? Oh, no, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, you can try. I, I mean, if you're a parent, you can impact the behavior of your children. But the reality is most people cannot be forced to change their temperament or personality or behavior, sometimes even with very negative consequences. So the thing to focus on is you changing yourself, you having an amazing life, you growing and developing like crazy, which will have a ripple effect. It will have a ripple effect. Now, if you happen to be an employer or a manager, supervisor, senior executive, you have many ways to nudge your employees to provide incentives to make things contagious to produce changes in your employees. So you have a different um, opportunity to nudge and encourage and create change. That's, that actually is very likely to be a subject of an upcoming podcast. We'll see. So the next two pieces or three pieces are primarily for uh, my business people, business owners, executives. However, I do think that regular people will find this interesting or at least helpful. So there are many, if you are a business owner, executive manager, senior management, whatnot, there are many different aspects of change that will be helpful for you to understand so that you can make all the kinds of changes that are necessary or required or would be, you know, give you a good return on investment, etc. So what my, one of my one of my favorites, okay, it's probably my favorite, is this classic model for change, which is by E.M. Rogers uh, coming out in 1962, which is called the Diffusion of Innovation Theory. Now, the dif Diffusion of Innovation Theory is one of the oldest social sciences according to the research, and this is a snapshot. What E.M. Um, e. Rogers' Diffusion of Innovation Theory is basically um, kind of a bell curve where uh, it's big in the middle, and, and on the first end, you have innovators. Innovators being only about 2.5% of the curve. The next piece is early adopters, 13.5%. And now we get into the big middle of the curve, which is early majority at 34%, and late majority also at 34%. And the back end of the curve is the laggards at 16%. If you are working in an organization or a nonprofit group or any type of group and you are seeking to create change within the organization, within the workplace, within whatever, this can be very helpful in particular if you combine it with some of the other research. One of my favorite books 
by Malcolm Gladwell is called The Tipping Point. And in The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell brings together a variety of different research elements to provide kind of a roadmap for how to have an idea, a concept, a behavior, a social change tip one way or the other. Like you want crime to tip downward. You want health to improve or tip upward. So that book, uh, The Tipping Point, provides a roadmap of the different kinds of people, the connectors, the mavens, etc., that are useful in making an idea sticky and moving it forward, making it very contagious. When you overlay that with uh, E.M. Rogers' uh, diffusion of innovation theory, then you kind of have like the, the lay of the land of how the group you're going to work with is probably going to fall out. And I just think that's like very powerful if you're not talking about cha personal change within yourself if you're dealing with a group. Now, I don't want to play favorites because I'm not a fan of playing favorites. So I am going to mention some other behavioral change models followed by some change management models for your use. They're, they're different. They're from different sources, but they're, it's helpful for you to understand. There's a rich body of research about change in businesses or organizations that can be very helpful to you to kind of help you get together a playbook for what you want to accomplish. So under the behavioral change models, we have the social cognitive theory that also came out in the 1960s, the trans theoretical model, which is the stages of change from the 1970s, the social norms theory from 1986, the theory of planned behavior from the 19, early 1980s, the health belief model, which was from the 1950s, and I already mentioned E.M. Rogers' diffusion of innovation theory. Now, for change management models, then this would be managing the change. I'm going to give you 10 different models. There are probably, I don't know how many total, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. You have to kind of look at what is the basis for the model and what fits your values and, you know, what works for you. So number one, Lewin's change management model. That's an old one from the 1950s. McKinsey 7S model from the 1970s. The nudge theory, which is a more recent uh, idea in change management, which actually came from a book. That's from 2008. Then we have the ADKAR change management model. The Kubler-Ross change curve the Bridges Transition Model, the Satir Change Model, Cotter's Eight-Step Theory, Mars Three-Level Resistance and Change Model, and the Deming Cycle. So there is plenty if you are looking at creating change, implementing change, or you know you need to make change at work or in an organization or any kind of institution to support you. And really it would be valuable for you to understand if you're making change in a work setting or in an organization or in a group that that these pieces can help you be more effective and efficient and deal with some of the things that will come up.
So the next area I want to talk about with change is personal growth and development change. So this is my love. <laughs> it's my love because it makes life so much easier and it's just, it can be wildly fun. I mean, seriously. So growth and development changes. When someone takes on personal growth and development, that really indicates change. That's what growth and development is. It's change. To me, this is one of the most touching and enriching experiences that I can possibly imagine. It is deeply touching and very moving to work with someone and see them grow from being unhappy, learning new skills, becoming more assertive, and all of the different pieces such that they have a different quality of life. They are happier, peaceful, and they are able to recognize how they got put together and interrupt certain patterns that aren't really helpful. I mean, it's just, it's so moving. Of course, it's a very intimate experience. People are sharing their most vulnerable pieces, the, the things that they hide from everyone. But growth and development does mean change. And change can be amazing. You can make growth and development extremely fun and extremely playful. Yes, 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 you can. <laughs> That's right. You absolutely can have fun doing anything. But it is why I recommend have a reward system and take someone with you. Now, there are a couple, well, there's more than a couple, but there are some very, very difficult changes in life, very painful changes in life that I want to just mention, which is, you know, dealing with the death of a loved one. That's one. Being in a domestic abuse relationship or being in a situation or relationship that is involves domestic violence is very painful and hard and dealing with number three is dealing with a highly dysfunctional family or parent or sibling or family member. These three are just kind of off the top of my head. Three of the, some of the hardest, hardest changes that people face. They're very painful. And I mention that because, you know, I, I believe change is very powerful and at the same time there are things that happen that will be very that represent change that are very painful and very 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 difficult so I have to include this piece because my whole theme of love period life period love life is to really love life you have to be able to deal with all of it not just the happy good times, not just the love and affection and joy and happiness and laughter. It's wildly helpful in life to be able to deal with the negative things. So one of the things that we know from the research is if you are dealing with a loss, a bereavement, or a very difficult life challenge, you can take advantage of what's called post-traumatic growth and become a better version of yourself by growing and as a result have life be richer and more rewarding. 
So a negative change, which which is you know could include having all your money stolen. <laughs> I know I laugh about that, and that is not funny. But like, thank goodness I can laugh about that. Like, ugh, anyway. But take advantage of post-traumatic growth and have a negative change become your opportunity to become a better version of yourself. Every problem in life, by the way, does have some opportunity to it if you can find it. And some of us are better at finding the silver lining in anything. But at any rate, use post-traumatic growth if you're dealing with something very painful or very negative. So the next um, two things I think I'm going to uh, skip over entirely and just go with dealing with negative changes, which I just mentioned. So when you're dealing with a negative change, which I'm going to expand behind, beyond the three hardest. So other negative changes could be a breakup, could be a divorce, loss of your job, some type of illness, um, losing a friend, etc. For those, you also would do well to take advantage of post-traumatic growth, but in either case, you have to manage and process your emotions so that you can move forward fully. So I have some final suggestions. All of my podcasts, for the most part, will help you if change is on the horizon for you, but I have some other recommendations. So number one, is to figure out what it is that you want to change, need to change, have to change, should change. Like, what is it you want to do? What is your end game? What is your goal? What What are you called to do? What touches your heart? And then make a commitment. Be all in. If you're going to do anything in life and you do it half-heartedly or in a namby-pamby way, you get half-hearted results. So if you have something that you want to change, why not bring resolute commitment? Why not be committed and be all in? The second thing I'm recommending is that it's very, very powerful and helpful to sort out the most powerful and positive emotions that are associated with accomplishing the change or making the change and, and, and marry them up, attach them together, bind up your positive feeling with the end, end game or the goal or the change. Number three, start making a plan of action. Change usually involves action. I mean, it involves some type of action, so make a plan. My next suggestion is one of my favorites, which is take people with you. Look, you can do life all by yourself and be alone. Go right ahead. It's your choice. I am merely suggesting life is more fun when you're laughing and playing with at least one other person. And if you are going to change your life, guess what? Almost everyone you know has some type of change they could bring into their life. So take people with you. My next suggestion is you have a reward system. Oh my heavens, people, they are really fun. Like, do it. I have a whole podcast on that. 
My next suggestion I also I also enjoy is anticipation and visualization. I have a whole podcast about that, people. Listen, this is known in the research. Athletes do it. Uh, coaches require it. They use it in medicine. Anticipate and visualize your future. Bring your emotions together. Marry it all together. And anticipate and visualize at every chance you get. My next suggestion is if you're not making progress or if you're failing or it's just not going right, stop, take a break, take a breath, and then recalculate, recalibrate. Think about, you know, what else you could do, brainstorm, and then get back in the game. Or you can quit. I don't recommend quitting. Like, quitters don't get the prize. They don't get the rewards. My next suggestion is, listen, if you are committed to some change, please be forewarned. Your insecurities will probably show up. Your fears will probably show up. You might be terrified. You you have all kinds of things that will surface if you are making a change and deal with them. Sort yourself out and deal with them. And whatever you do, don't don't quit. Just don't quit because you won't get what you want. So my takeaways for this podcast are it's time to recognize change can be so powerful. And I also hope you recognize that there are many things you would probably like to have in your life. So go get them. Deal with whatever shows up or not. And learn new things. My last request is that you share this podcast on social media so you can help other people embrace change and get the benefits of the power of change. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast. Episode number 124, The Power of Change. I hope this has given you some new ideas, some things to think about, so that you can powerfully bring change into your life or deal with change in either case. I would love it if you would share this podcast on social media to help other people run towards change. Visit me at my website. Let me know how I can help you. Hang in there for now. I love you. That's all.